Uga Chaka. Uga, Uga, Uga Chaka. Oh, this drink is not working out. Now I'm shaking it now, which I can't do. I shouldn't do. do I got a bottle of got seltzer. Got? I got a bottle of seltzer water. Piss warm? No, no, no. Cold. That's your problem. And then I put in two containers of crystal light. Two, two little uh, tubes of crystal light. So, so you crystal light uh, lemonade or iced tea? Fruit punch. Fruit punch. So you're making carbonated fruit punch. Yeah. Okay. But when I dumped it in, I, it did like a mini Mentos thing where I got all foamed up. But well, there's a big... You shake a carbonated thing. No, 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 no. As, when as I, a doctor, no. you should be fully familiar with such things. No, when I when, no, when I poured it into it and without shaking it, it started to foam, so I had to put the cap on. But then something happened, and it made all the powder coalesce into one ball, and I can't get this ball broken apart now. So, in other words, you're the opposite of a ball breaker. You're a ball breaker. Mm-hmm. I think it's miss it well see now I have to shake it up. <laughs> just, just just shake it in. Whoa. It's first right. year medical school. You should have this down. Of course now if I open this. Come on. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, I think I made it go flat. Oh no I didn't. Okay. <laughs> we'll let that we'll just set this over there for a little while. Let it stew. Back to the bin. Trying to put my genie back in the bottle. Put that thing away, man. Nobody wants to look at that. No, I took. I bought some seltzer water and uh, uh, that I got from the Brian Setzer. Setzer. Seltzer. Or never mind. I just killed that joke. Boom. Boom. Put some crystal light in some uh, seltzer water. I've been Jones in that carbonation feeling. Gotta have some piss warm Mountain Dew, man. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm hurting real bad. I got cups crawling all over me. Help a veteran out. Uh, give me some of that piss warm Mountain Dew. I'll tell you what. I was so stressed out dri- driving home after getting a new battery in the car. I was going by... 7-Eleven, I'm like, you know what? They got two for $3, two liters bill. Come in, it If it was in the sun all day, I would have been all over. <laughs> so I heard your freezer was broken. <laughs> Could you warm this up for me, man? Stick it in the microwave. The microwave over there. Yeah, I was just going to say, how long are you supposed to microwave this Mountain Dew? Drop 50 <laughs> Mentos in it, too, so it'll flatten out. So it'll be flat. I need some flat, warm Mountain Dew. Just let me suck the syrup out of the box. I'll mainline the syrup. No, I've gone. It's been almost, uh, it's been three months. It's been since, uh, well, yeah, it's been yeah two and a half. When was it? January, February? Yeah, two and a half. It's been since December 31st. I'm still, no Diet Mountain Dew. I had a can of Sprite last week, though. You, you, never, you never truly recover from your Diet Mountain Dew piss warm addiction. You just, you're always you recovering. <laughs> I take it one day at a time. Try and any time you could fall back. I, I could. I almost fell back tonight. I was so... Thank God for Crystal Light and seltzer. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds so gross. Yeah. It's good. It tastes good. Yeah, to, to, uh, to, to a guy with a Mountain Dew addiction, maybe. To me, it sounds like shit. <laughs> no, it's actually good. I like it. Mm, yum, yum, yum. 
Let me drink some more. Mm. You'll, you'll excuse me if I don't allow you to set my trends. <sighs> I'll, I'll bring some up with me. What are you going to bring? Are you going to store it in your belly and bring it up? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. We live in fascist America. Never mind. I can't bring a drink on a plane. You can in drink fairness, it you probably up. could kill somebody with mountain, with piss warm Mountain Dew, though. <laughs> well, we'll have to mix. We'll have to have some type of mixed drink while I'm up there. That's fine. I have we a fair get amount those... of vodka in the house. Oh, I love vodka. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, does anybody got any? Why don't we bring this thing in? <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Jesus Christ. Hey everybody and welcome to the Get Off My Lawn cast. <laughs> I'm Paul Cesaro and I am joined by my two old crotchety nasty fellow podcasters. Mr. Scott Get Off My Lawn Gardner. Oh you goddamn kids. And Dr. William who the hell is that ringing my bell Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Paul Spataro, if I forgot to say that already. But then, you already know that. Who you kidding? So, how you guys doing? I'm doing pretty good, I guess. (laughs) uh, None of this is making it... None of what we talked about is making it to the show. But let's just say you got three pretty ornery guys right here right now. (laughs) Just fed up. Just flat fed the hell up. I'm mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take it anymore. I'm not, you know, none of it is, none of that will be in the podcast. But you know what you did. No. <laughs> <laughs> so. Now everybody that listens could be like, "Oh, I wonder if they're talking about me." <laughs> yes, 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 they are. They are. Yes, you dirty, you dirty bastards. <laughs> so, uh, anybody got any comics news? Um, hmm. uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was oh. telling Bill earlier. I I've been catching up on some of my current reading. I I you know just starting with with the most recent runs. I've been reading the uh, the Hulk, which is not bad at all. It's been pretty entertaining. Uh, Captain America since the Falcon took over also pretty entertaining. Uh, the Fantastic Four, which I've been reading all along and of all things to read i read the new ms marvel which Hmm. is kind of a strange strange thing it's certainly not my style of art but the one thing i got a big kick out of is it's it's definitely a little bit more tongue-in-cheek and uh she's she's the the master villain behind the scenes is called the inventor and uh spoiler alert for anybody who's looking to read this series but uh when you meet him, it turns out that he's a clone of Thomas Edison. But yeah. some, what's that? I just said, huh? <laughs> but but somewhere in the cloning process, it got screwed up, and his DNA got got mixed with the DNA of like a cockatiel. What? <laughs> so he's he's Thomas Edison, but he's got a big bird head. <laughs> every time he's on there, oh I crack God. up laughing, and he meets somebody new, and they're like, "But you're a big bird," and he starts yelling, "I'm not a bird." I thought you were going to say, like, they mixed his DNA with Tesla, and then he'd fucking hate himself. <laughs> but it's, it's you know, it was, it was not a bad read. I, I, I don't know that I'd give it a high recommendation by any stretch, but it wasn't a bad read. Now, is that the Carol Danvers, Ms. No, Marvel? No, it's the, uh, the uh, what's her name, Kamala Khan. Uh, and she's, she's, she's... Kamala Khan? Kamala Khan? Kamala Khan. Let's put back here. Oh, sorry. All right. 
she's she's you know she's born in New Jersey, but her family is is you know came over here from either I don't know if it's Turkey or Pakistan. Uh, and and while they they play that a little bit, they don't they didn't get like overly preachy with it with it because if they did that would have turned me right off to it. You know they don't they they don't they don't seem and I can't say I'm steeped in their culture so I don't know for sure but they don't seem to be too bad as far as the stereotypes go. Right. So all things well, said, done. It was it was a fairly entertaining read. So not not trying to spoil ahead with the book I kind of picked because it kind of ties into some well I guess in a roundabout way to current things going on in comics now. Do you think with the upcoming Secret Wars thing that they're just gonna do whatever they want, throw some crazy stuff out there, and then they're just going to blow it up and start over? Yes. Like uh, the I, – I think we talked about – didn't you and I talk about this on our last show on the Avengers Spotlight that, you know, what we think that they're – or did we talk – the three of us talked about this, that, you know, Secret Wars is – are are they going to do like – like Crisis did and smash everything together, or it's it's just the Marvel, uh, the Ultimate Universe and the Marvel Universe merging. Well, I think it's going to be more smashing things together, and I think, despite their efforts to distance themselves from the DC reboots, I think this is as close to the DC reboots as Marvel is, is is going to come, and and they're trying to pretend they're not, but I think they are, mm. and I, I think it's it, to me it, it seems similar to. Uh, in uh, Civil War, when when they had Spider Man reveal his identity that they knew all along, you know, yeah, we're, we're going to be rebooting Spider Man anyway, so we could do whatever we want with him and see how it works. I think they're doing that in some of the Marvel series right now. So cause yeah, with like for instance, the one that we you were t- talking about before we started with uh, with Sam Wilson as the Falcon because Cap's kind of age ageified mm-hmm. right now. So you know they'll probably put all that back and Cap will be Cap again. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to rush right back to it. Cause you, I mean, see, my first thought was, well, by the time the new Avengers movie comes out, they're going to go back to it. But that really isn't giving Sam Wilson a very long stint no, as Cap. No, you know, no, you think you give him at least a that. year. Well, maybe until um, Civil War, the Civil War movie comes out, maybe. Or, heck, they might even wait till Infinity War. Because about then, isn't uh, Chris Evans' contract up? And he's not going to... I mean, unless they back up the money truck, he's not going to be playing Cap anymore anyway. Uh, I think I, I think that may be overblown. I mean, did you see him over the weekend dressed up in his cap suit in the children's hospital? Yeah, but that doesn't mean he's going to want to play Captain America for the rest of his life. Yeah, maybe what, it does. What else he got going on? That's true. Well, I don't know. I, I haven't watched Snowpiercer yet on Netflix. I mean, I mean, the the when Winter Soldier came out, the talk was that he wanted to, you know, maybe not act so much and, and direct. But you mm-hmm. know what? What is Chris Evans? Thirty years old, say. Mm-hmm. Ah, he's older than that, isn't he? Give or, well, give or take a couple. Just well, yeah. you know what? Old, older just makes my point even more. Uh, but let's just give him the benefit of the doubt and put him at thirty. He's only got so many more years of being a, a leading man action star anyway. If he wants to get into directing, he's gonna have plenty of time to do it after he's done being the leading man. How many more years is he gonna be able to be young enough to be Cap? He could play old Cap. <laughs> well, he was born in nineteen eighty-one, so that makes him. Are you kidding old. me? So that makes him thirty-four. God, <laughs> that's thirty-four years old. So Scott, it's not as young as, as you think. Yeah, it's still wow. But he's thirty-four. So what's he gonna have? Maybe six more years of playing Cap. That'll put him at forty. Although, mm-hmm. although uh, Robert Downey's Robert Downey's around fifty. You know, yeah, he's an old man like us. Yeah, but, I mean, you can get away with that with Iron Man, whereas <laughs> yeah, you can't really get horror. away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't like Cap with man boobs doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> These are shields. 
It's funny that you say you're 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 getting out, caught up on the on the Marvel stuff because that's what I've been trying to do like crazy, and I just finished reading all of Infinity. Which either of you guys read that? I, I have read most of it. Uh, have you gotten so? Oh, you have not, Paul? No, I haven't. Oh, damn, never mind. Then I don't want to mu- mention it. Spoil away. Spoil. Well, actually, I think somebody posted on Facebook. Was that you that posted that, that scene on Facebook where Thor throws the hammer away when he goes to be act like he's being subjugated by the uh, – I can't remember the name of the guys. But there's yeah. like, oh, you're not allowed the weapons. Builders. The builders. So he takes the hammer and he throws it away off the planet. And then he goes and he bows before this guy. And the guy slaps him across the face. And, and then Thor just he's like raises his hand up and – Bajolner had like gone around the sun of right. the planet they were on and come back and it goes right through this guy and lands in his hand. It's like boom. And then he just starts to kick some major ass. That was a great scene. I, I didn't post that, but uh, I, I, you know, I know what you're talking about because I, I just finished the series. I'm desperately trying to get caught up on Marvel. And the funny thing is, is that I'm only reading two regular books i'm reading guardians and nova but every time i'm like okay i can finally get caught up on what's going on it crosses over into something else and none of them have been easy crossovers where i can just go okay let me just read the core books and and then i can know what's going on every one of these crossovers ends up being some giant universe spanning thing where you've got to read like 50 books to understand it and follow it and I enjoyed doing that with Infinity. It actually turned out Infinity was really, really good. But then I just hit the next one, which is Original Sin. And it's like, come on, can I can I pare this down a little bit? So I'm trying to do like a skeleton read on that one. You know, just like read like the core of it so I can keep going. Because I want to get caught up. I want to be current as we start heading into this Secret Wars thing. I, I want to know what's going on. I want to be able to follow it as it comes out. But... <laughs> it's just, it's just been difficult getting there. And one of the things that was just maddening with the whole infinity thing was, you know, I, I was getting current and, and I was current on all the Marvel cosmic stuff right up to the point when infinity started. And I started reading it and realized that, uh, Galador and the space Knights were going to play a part in infinity. So I stopped reading infinity and I'm like, all right, I guess I got to go back and actually finish my read through of ROM. Cause I, I started it and I never did finish it. I, I lacked like the end of the series and I didn't want infinity to spoil things about how ROM ended and everything. So I went back, started reading it and realized it had been so long since I started the read through that I couldn't remember where I was in the story. So I started over from the beginning. So I read all of ROM including like all of his appearances in other books and everything, all the annuals, everything took me a while to get through that, got all the way through it, started to read infinity. I realized, I don't know what the hell's going on. So I started over with the Marvel cosmic stuff from all the way back in annihilation (laughs) and read and got all current. So finally, after, you know, this took me like months to do this. I get to infinity. I start reading infinity and like about halfway through infinity. Number one, they blow up Galador and kill all the space knights. I'm like, are you kidding me? So, I mean, so then I have to go back and read Rom again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like, I mean, I'm glad I read it because it was great. I mean, it was a solid read. That is that is going to now be on my my list of like favorite books, you know, favorite read throughs ever. But 
ultimately, I could have put that off and done that at any point. I didn't have to read it for Infinity because, as it turned out, it didn't really play into it at all. They just, you know, eliminated it right, you know, right in the very beginning of the first book. I'm like, I was just like, damn it! Did you, did you do a Charlton Heston? You maniac! <laughs> you blew, you blew it up. up. <laughs> Speaking of which, I am up to date on my Star Trek Planet of the Apes. Isn't it good? Yeah, it is. It is. Oh, I haven't read so it far, so good. Mm-hmm. And I'm caught up on my Darth Vader. Oh, did two come out yet? I've only read yes, one. Yes, it did. Mm. I have not read it yet. I thought one was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I love the first one. I have not read the second one yet. Second, so I, I thought the second one just carried on. More of the same, which is good. That's good. Yeah, because the first one was really good. That works for me. But yeah, that's about all I've really got going on. I've uh, I've been reading comics like a madman lately, but uh, yeah, just trying to get caught up on that Marvel stuff. Love some good some stuff good... in there, though. Can't 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 get enough of my comic book reading. The problem is, if I do it at the wrong time, I just fall asleep. Because <laughs> I'm an old man. <laughs> I've actually been trying to read. This isn't really comic related, but I've been trying to. To I don't think I'm going to make it because George R. R. Martin is killing me. I'm trying to read up book wise to get caught up with the books where the TV sh- where the Ga- Game of Thrones show is, and I just jumped into the third book, which is 924 pages. Good lord! I read, that's at, that's as far as I read. I read the third book. The whole third book? Yeah. No, I oh. read I read nine, nine tenths of it and I stopped. No, I, I mean I don't know if you were still reading it. Was what no, I, I read meant. the whole third book. Uh, I just haven't been able to get into the fourth book. Yeah, the fourth book is a, is actually a little smaller, but then the fifth book is massive. And I hear I think you you and I were talking the other night. I guess the sixth book is like twelve hundred pages or something. The sixth book is still to come, is it not? Yeah, I know. I guess he's still writing it. So I don't know how many pages that is. Well, I mean, that's, I, 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 well, write faster. I know fans keep t- 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 talking. He, yeah, I, I hear that gets him very upset. Yeah. I heard of Game of Thrones, but I, I read The Running Man. Very, 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 very. Shut good. up, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> That's a callback. <laughs> you weren't even on that show. <laughs> very good. <laughs> Uh, all right, we're going to talk some old funny books or what? Yeah, yeah, why don't we jump into it? We've got three funny books, and then I'd like to do some email. All right. Oh, we have more email? Oh, okay. oh yeah, because we did the Avengers email. We didn't do the... Uh, oh, that's right. That's Avengers right. email. Yes, that's true. So are we, doing, we going with Marvel first, or are we going by age? Of so wait, you, you guys did do a, a, an Avengers one recently? You recorded a, an Avengers? Yeah, yeah, last what, week. What did you cover? We covered the email, and then we did – well, actually, we did the book first. Uh, I'm starting a thing called Corvac's Corner. I'm mm-hmm. doing it issue by issue. Like if we do some other stuff at, at the end of the show, we're going to cover one issue of the Corvac saga until we get to like the last three issues, and then we'll do it all together. That way, if you're not here, we can still keep moving along with it. Okay. So we, we just covered the first issue, which was what, 167? Yep. And then we did... It's got the uh, Guardians in it, Scott. Damn it. <laughs> Should have been there. I wanted to be. So, yeah, we did email and we did that and some shooting the shit. Cool. Yeah, some shit with some mighty big holes in it. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to hearing it. Well, we got to wait for Bill to edit it, so we'll see. It'll be out before <laughs> the Avengers movie, I promise. <laughs> Which we need to do our Ultron episode, too. Yes. Hey, by the way, I've been digging some uh, No Consoles for Old Men, dude. Oh, thank you. Did, did you listen to the one with our audio in it? I did. 
Have yeah, you listened I've to listened the latest to anime freaks if it makes you happy? Yay! The one with uh oh with uh oh, Hero. With Hero. Man, that was a messed up movie. <laughs> that's that's the impression I got. Whew. Was it a porn? Um, sort of. Close. What was it? Fritz the Cat? No, no, it was uh uh Ninja Scroll. Ah. It's it was Ninja Scroat. It was in nineties <laughs> it was a nineties anime, people getting cut up and crazy ninja you know, like like Gene said, body body parts were you know, blood blood pressure was pumped up to like ninety psi. So if like somebody loses <laughs> an arm, it's like <laughs> blood everywhere. Cool, good stuff, good stuff. Anyways, what do you got, Bill? <clears throat> I have I have the Marvel tonight, and it is uh, kind of in going along with our little talk of Secret Wars. I uh, wanted to go ahead and do What If Volume Two, Number One Fourteen, which was What If. Secret Wars 25 years later, and this came out in November. Its cover date is November 1998. The on sale was September 16th, 1998. And as always, this information comes from Mike, Mike's Amazing World. Cover price was 10 times, 10 times what Professor Allen would pay for a book. A whopping $2.50, although I'm sure you could get this in a 25-cent bin nowadays. And uh, the the editor was Frank Pitterese. And the cover, which is not really a play on the old Secret Wars cover, but it has like the the remaining members of the Avengers and X-Men that have survived in the foreground of uh, Wolverine, Storm, Hawkeye, She-Hulk, Captain America, Rogue, Human Torch, Wasp, and Thor are kind of in the background. Excuse me, I think I said foreground before. And coming at you is their offspring – which uh, I will name here in a moment, but they are coming towards us. And it says, um, comes a new generation of heroes. And our story... What? I thought this was a Marvel DC crossover because it's got Brainiac 5 on the cover. (laughs) (laughs) No, he doesn't have his little headband things, right? No. Oh, wait, that would be just Brainiac. Nope, this is Brave New World. Writer is Jay Ferber. Penciler is Greg Shagel. Inker is Jose F. Marzan Jr. Letterist is Christopher Iliopoulos. And colorist is Paul Tutrone. And I am taking my synopsis because of a car issue that happened this evening and I did not have time to write one. I'm using synopsis from the Marvel Wiki, but I will maybe add a few things here and there. Him, him, him. Well, before I start that, <laughs> wait, I thought I'd hear Scott groan and go, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Uh, I want to run over the new characters that we're going to meet in here. Uh, The first one I want to describe is Crusader. She is Sarah Rogers, the daughter of Captain America and Rogue. She possesses mild super strength. What? Captain America and Rogue? Captain America and Rogue. That's what the book says. Yeah, I know. But uh, go ahead. Which I got a nitpick because later in here, I swear there's a scene where Steve Rogers says, where's my shield, Carol? Huh? I'll point it out when we get to it. I was like, what? Maybe, you know, she's not Mystique. She can't, like, change. <laughs> yeah, but didn't she absorb the the powers oh, and stuff? That's of right. Carol that maybe. Yeah, but I thought at that point in the comic, she had kind of controlled that, but maybe not. Maybe that is all. Maybe she did think she was Carol. Maybe the Carol Danvers persona took over. I don't know. It didn't really make that clear in the story, unless I missed it. You're right, though. He does say that. Carol. Uh... Since I was yeah. looking through some of my old things, and uh, where's my? Sh- have you seen my shield? He says. 
Yeah. Where's my super suit? <laughs> Where's my Captain America shield? Uh, the daughter of Captain America and Rogue possesses mild super strength, endurance, and can fly. Like her father, she's a natural-born leader. And that was Crusader. And the next is Bravado. Balder Blake is the son of Thor and the Enchantress. What? What? He's super strong and thanks to his mother can perform feats of sorcery. A serious teen, Bravado is determined to prove his worth to his father and shares an intense rivalry with his half-brother, Malfactor. Um... Mustang. What? I haven't even said who he's. Shut up. <laughs> the son of She-Hulk and a Hawkeye. See, now I, that one I believe because those two would, you know, they'd do it with anyone. Right. Yeah. Clint Barton Jr. Well, that's really, you know. <laughs> it's an original name. Yeah. CJ to his friends. Inherit his mom's super strength as well as her green skin. <laughs> Whose close friends get to call him CJ. <laughs> <laughs> Providing... And his dad's flair for using bows and arrows. That's, you know, well, never mind. Firefly, the cocky son of the Human Torch and the Wasp. What? No, that one I'm not buying. No. Because that means she's she's a total cougar, man. Because, come on, Johnny Storm's out. <laughs> I, didn't hell of think, a lot. I didn't even think of that. She's out there. <laughs> she's probably, Johnny you Storm's know. Not, I mean, he's a Hank lot younger than the shit out of her. Right. She's in a vulnerable moment, and the torch, well, you know, wanted to diddle. Was was Pym on the, uh, I don't was he in was... the Secret Wars? Mm, I don't think so. Probably doing I can't, time. Can't remember. Yeah, because wasn't it, mm, was that when the time when he had f- finally come to trial with the, the egghead thing? Uh, I don't uh, know. That's, that's before testing the memory. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Matt, uh, Matthew Storm can reduce himself in size and take flight on fiery wings. What? Yeah, I don't really think that. That's well, anyway. Torrent. Kendall Logan is the daughter of Storm and Wolverine. Yeah. Okay. A what? No what on that? What? A mutant. Duh. She can be played. <laughs> and she's like her perfectly father. Perfectly normal. Yeah. She's, they canceled each other out. Just like the mutant and Inhumans created, you know, Crystal and Quicksilver created Luna, who was a human. Nothing. She can manipulate the weather and, like her father, possesses a healing factor and has a propensity to smoke cigars. Malfactor. Vincent Von Doom shares his father's lust for power and, with his ability to perform magic inherited from his mother, the Enchantress. Huh? Hmm. He stands a good chance of achieving his goals. Chokehold. That's a nice name. Trudy Creel is the super strong daughter of Titania. Titania? I think we had this discussion before. And the Titania. Titania. But but Sean Connery would say Titiana. Titiana. For 200, Alex. Trebek. (laughs) Anal bum covers. I'll take the rapist. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Uh, the daughter of Titiana and the Absorbing Man. Like her dad, she can absorb the pro- proprieties, the properties of whatever she touches. Moleculon, mm, the son of Molecule Man and Volcana. Tucker Reese inherited his father's powers of molecular control and transmutation, as well as his facial scars. Yeah, that thanks, Dad. A soft-spoken and introverted teen. I wonder why. Probably the scarred face has nothing to do with it. Tucker has few friends and is often the butt of jokes by his peers. Well, you know, okay... Anybody on this planet is going to have few friends because there's only like 20 of them. You know, so how many friends is he supposed to have? And then Gator, who sounds like he came from the South. This 250-pound monster is the son of the lizard. 
possessing more strength and dangerous intellect than his father ever did. But you know what this story doesn't answer? Who's the mother? Did he just experiment? Is he a clone? Did you guys get that out of the story? No. no, no, no. And it reproduces, reproduces asexually. Ew. I don't want to hear about your asexual reproduction. Just saying. Go screw yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that's how the lizard got here. Oh, that's how Gator got. And then the last one is Ray. Super strong Teddy Garthwaite is the son of the wrecker, armed with a crowbar and Thunderball's wrecking ball. Ray's is one bully that nobody wants to tangle with. And now we begin the synopsis. The Secret Wars participants ended up trapped on Battleworld. The heroes and villains from the Secret Wars ended up settling down, getting married, and having kids. Fucking leaving the beaver. Transported to a strange planet by a force from beyond the universe, the mightiest superheroes and supervillains of all time were gathered to fight the ultimate war. 25 years ago, the war ended. No one came home. Today, their children begin the battle anew. As Thor's son, Balder Blake, or Bravado, as we know him, turns 18, he makes his third and and third, blah, th- his third annual attempt to lift his father's enchanted hammer, Mjolnir, with no dis- no success, despite the continued encouragement of his friends, Crusader, Sarah Rogers, and Mustang, Clip Barton Jr. As his surprise birthday celebration, as his surprise birthday celebration was ended, Baldur's half brother. Dr. Doom, Victor Von Doom's son, Malfactor, who was Vincent Von Doom, decided that it was time to continue in his father's footsteps and return home to the original Earth 616 and conquer it. He began by assassinating his father, <coughs> bullshit, and immediately began assembling a group of the children of the uh, of the other villains. He also offered membership to Bravado because of their half-brotherhood. And I just got to stop right there. Come on. Does he nearly think he's going to walk up and just smoke his dad and turn him into, a, you know, an outline on a wall? Come on. We're talking Dr. Doom here. Anyway, after Bravado's re- after Bravado rejected Vincent's officer, offer, he realized that his half-brother needed to be stopped. After borrowing her father's shield, Crusader, Mustang, Clipart Jr., and Firefly, Matthew Storm, and Torrent, Kendall Logan, immediately immediately set out to stop Malfactor. As Bravado and Crusader confronted him, Malfactor used the sorcery skills he learned from his mother, the Enchantress, and blasted Crusader all the way to the memorials where Majolner lay. Meanwhile, after the elder heroes and former villains fought off the robots that Malfactor sent after them, they were rejoined by the self-exiled Hulk. He came back. He, he came back because he finally discovered a way for them to return to their original home on Earth. Just as Bravado broke free of Malfactor's magical bindings, Crusader busted in through the wall of the castle, wielding Mjolnir, having proved worthy of lifting it. Duh. After the battles were over and some scolding from father to daughter uh, Rogers about borrowing shields. Banner explained how they could return to Earth using a device he created and Mjolnir to open a dimensional portal. At just that moment, the Watcher appeared, which made Captain America and the Hulk chicken shit out, (laughs) or both realized that it forbid something bad. Later that night, the younger generation of heroes secretly met at the device that Banner had made. Crusader apologized for using Mjolnir and reminded Bravado that he couldn't, but she needed it to test the device and proved that the trip was was not going to be dangerous. Using the device, the, the teenagers ended up in a in a New York that was swarming with sentinels, and it is uh, speculated that this may be one of the, the future versions or the of uh, Days of Future Past, though it is unclear which one. 
After they easily dispatched one Sentinel, Crusader insisted that they not give up and go home, and that it was their duty to bring peace to this planet or die trying. The group, and that is where that story ends. Now, these same heroes would be seen later in Avengers Forever number 11 and 12, um, when they were summoned to the Citadel at the end of time. Um, in uh, You guys have read Avengers Forever, right? Yeah, but I don't remember these guys popping up in it, though. Well, I guess it was like in a big, like those last two issues, was like a big battle royale melee with people with different Avengers pulled from different worlds. Well, apparently right. they were they were pulled in as um, as as a second group of Avengers from all alternate timelines, and they helped to stop the Timekeepers, who had also summoned the children of former villains, as well as others Avengers villains from an alternate timeline. So that's that's where they they came in. And I'm wondering, do you? And that, that's another reason I chose this. Do you think we might see them in the upcoming Secret Wars series? Possibly. If you know, we I'm... do, I think it'll be just kind of in passing. I don't think it's going to be, a, like, focused on them. Like, maybe they'll somebody will be shown some version. Like, the, the, the heroes will be shown their children if they had stayed on the world, perhaps. Or, you know, some quick scene like that. Something like that, yeah. Something. I mean, this, I think this story has kind of been lost to obscurity at this point, so I don't think they're going to focus on it. Oh no, no, no! I no, I, I didn't say it's going to be front and center, but like, no, nope. uh, like, but, will there be some type of little homage to it somewhere? Right. Yeah, it'd be fun to just see, you know, a, an acknowledgement because you know, if they do it, say, like JLA Avengers style, where there's a, a nod given to, you know tons of you know of mm -hmm. obscure characters and everything and then you know that could possibly happen because i mean there's there's lots of super obscure marvel characters that i'd love to see pop up in something like that so yeah it could it could very likely happen yeah i'm uh, i'm a little surprised that this was not who they went with or, or something closer to this is who they they could have gone with for um do you remember a next yeah, when they started doing well, not just a next, but when Marvel started doing their their animated movies, they had one called I think it was called Next Avengers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which the, was kind the, of the a next line guys. Yeah, yeah. And well, uh, but 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 they if they did that, the, oh I yeah, but these guys were created from everybody staying on the Secret War world. I mean, I, I guess they could have just done that and said, but but they don't, but it, they didn't have a Secret Wars movie. I mean, I right. guess they could have done the first five minutes as a flashback. To, to just explain everything and then opened up with us. I uh, I liked a next or yeah, next I Avengers, whatever the the cartoon. Yeah, mm -hmm. I thought it was pretty well done. And I think they tried to be a little bit more mainstream with the uh, children that they were working with. You know that they'd be more recognizable. Right. So I I, I, I think that's. But it's just. I mean, conceptually, it's very very similar to this. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? I just found a second time that Steve calls Rogue Carol. So she must be totally absorbed in the uh, the Carol persona must have t t taken over because third page in, he says, I'm not sure I approve of our daughter being a good liar, Carol. And then she says, Steve, she gets that from me. Because I'm lying. Yeah, I'm, you're right. You're, you're yeah, a I whack job. <laughs> so something must have happened where the, where the Carol Danvers persona became the dominant persona or something like that is what I'm thinking. Yeah, there, 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 there's a lot you got to read, and I mean that synopsis didn't really cover everything because there's a lot of little nuggets in here that that you got to check. I like the opening page with Mjolnir is laid down on the ground, and there's a plaque behind it. It says, 
Let this mark the spot where both sides laid down their weapons and the great war came to an end. Right. And that's that's where we see um, Clint Barton and Balder Blake and Sarah Rogers where he's trying where Balder's trying to lift the hammer again and he can't. Right. And, and then next we see his birthday party and um, that's where you see all the older heroes now. And uh, yeah, I guess the Wasp is kind of a cougar. They're hanging on Johnny Storm. <laughs> it's kind of freaky. And Spider-Man. I, oh, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. I, I looked it up about uh, Henry Pym. So not long before this story or before the Secret Wars was the trial of uh, of Yellow Jacket. And at the end of that, you know, he was exonerated and everything. But then he just kind of disappeared for a while and he was gone for about two years and he didn't pop up again oh, wow. until West Coast Avengers. So during this period, there, there really was not any Henry Pym. He had just kind of dropped off the map. So and he that did was, not participate in Secret Wars. And that was the trial where he had supposedly killed Egghead? Um, God, I don't remember what the hell was he was like on issue trial like, for now. I, I yeah, think because it, it had and, something and, to do with that. And he, he was framed or something for... Well, it was like upset. He had, I think, Cap pressed the charges because he had used like excessive force in a battle or something like that. Hmm. So I don't know that he had killed anybody, but... Uh, that that's how I remember it anyway. I don't know. I, it it's been a long time since I've read that, so I'm I'm kind of fuzzy on the details. But that's how I seem to remember it is that Cap was pissed off that they had gone into battle and Pym did something that I don't know could have endangered the mission or something, and he used excessive force or something. And Cap was like, you know, this is not us. We're you know, this is not how the Avengers handle business or some shit. I I, I can't remember the whole detail of it. Mm. Did you catch some of the? Um like little scenes in at the party iron man is there mm-hmm. and then there's a few scenes later when iron man is walking uh with torrent and you see that it's not tony St- well I, I, it would have been james rose was in the yeah. arm in in secret wars but inside the armor is professor x mm. no i i missed you know i have i've read this before but it's been a long time since i've read it where is that? Is that the beginning of the st- I'm looking for that here. And I'm yeah, it's st- like page six, six pages in. Look at that. Six pages of story, sorry. Right. Because so I had be- seen where the... Where because the they're walking the- through the... Because they're walking through, I guess, I guess it would be the... Uh, the graveyard statues where everybody is, you know, that has died there because they're looking at Reed Richards and... Right. Oh, uh, yeah. Magneto. And then you see where he lifts the visor and... It's because she says professor. Right. And then behind him is a statue of Cyclops. So where is, uh, where's Rhodey? I I didn't even see a statue for him. (laughs) I I know it's like, I couldn't, I didn't catch anything to where, what, you know, what, what, what actually happened to him. I I also noticed in the house that they're having a party. I don't know if that's, I guess that's Thor's house. Do you see above the couch behind them? There's a, uh, there's like a painting of um, Asgard with the rainbow bridge on it. Yeah. It looks like the old sixties cartoon. (laughs) So, and Spider-Man is pretty freaky in here. And actually later in the book, did you see where he gets hit by claw with the sonic weapon? Yeah. And, And there's nothing underneath, but bones. Yeah. They're they're basically Peter Parker has just been totally absorbed and is just a skeleton inside the suit. I thought that was cool because that's kind of a callback to another one of the uh, the what if stories. There was that what if story. 
I can't remember what the hell the name of it was now, but it, it was a Venom-centric one. Mm-hmm. And I remember at one point, Venom releases Peter Parker. And when he releases him, Peter's like severely aged. You know, he's in his like 90s or something. He's on his deathbed, essentially. Oh, he's basically and, just sucked the life out of him. Yeah, and Venom keeps changing hosts. And he goes and he absorbs the Hulk for a while. And he basically burns out the you know, basically burns the Hulk out of Banner and ends up curing him because he uses up so much. And he attaches himself to Thor as well, but I forget what happens when he does that with Thor. I'm trying to remember what the hell issues of what if that was and what the story, you know, what the title of the story actually was. But that was a really good story, as I recall. I just can't remember what the name of the story was. See if I can Mm. look it up. I know that was in What If Volume 2. I just don't remember what the name of the story was. But uh, I always liked What If, you know, in particular. So I was not a, ever a faithful reader. I would just pick it up when it looked good. But what was – oh, it was called uh, What If the Alien Costume Had Possessed Spider-Man. That's the one. Mm. And uh, I had a good cover on it with uh, Hulk smashing black-suited Spider-Man on one side of the head and Thor's clubbing him with Mjolnir on the other side of the head. And he's just standing <laughs> there all Superman-like, like, hey, you guys don't hurt me. But that was actually a pretty good story because – in that one, the the what if you know the what if stories always had that moment that you know where it deviated from the six one six history, and the deviation in this one is that Peter was not able to get the costume off like he was in the you know in the original story. He finally figures out that you know the costume's bad for him and everything, and he finds a way to to get it off of himself, and then it goes off and it bonds with um, Eddie uh, Eddie Brock. But in this what if story, he can't get it off. And it actually becomes, you know, a part of him and everything. And he he basically becomes a bad guy and pretty much holds his own against the rest of the Marvel universe when they come gunning for him. It was it's a good story. I liked that one. Mm. I just saw that that part with the bones is part of it. Oh, I liked it a lot. I just I thought that this that part that Bill mentioned in this story I thought was you know kind of a, a subtle callback to that, whether intentional or not. Yeah. I like that uh, Steve Rogers is wearing Uncle Sam's pants uh, or pajama pants there. On that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where's my super suit? Where's I my... I am the greatest good you're ever going to get. Where's my Uncle <laughs> Sam pants? <laughs> I don't know. You know, overall, I don't know what to think of this, though, because, yeah, the, the mashups are a little strange. Yeah. You know, so they're 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 really they kind of put they kind of push credibility. Uh, you yeah. know, Cap and Rogue. Well, but if yeah. Carol's but if Carol's her personality was dominant and Rogue she was gone, you know, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> now they don't really explain the Enchantress was with Doom kills the Enchantress, right? Stated in here, and Doom and I mean uh, I was going to say Doom and Thor had a kid. Whoa, whoa. Thum is his name. <laughs> Thum. Uh, not to be confused with Goom. Hey, I'm Goom. They had a slower Hi. child. They had a slower child. His name was Dor. <laughs> Dor. D H O R. Dor. You know the we, only one I that I pick up me you you me you me you me you. I could pick up the hammer. The only one that I really bought was the uh, was the Thor kid because there was a, a time right when toward the Thor end of the Enchantress. original Thor run where he and the Enchantress were had hooked up. 
Mm-hmm. So I guess I could kind of, and I could kind of buy, I guess, Storm and Wolverine only because uh, I can't buy Doom and the Enchantress though. Yeah, I, yeah, I that one. That. I don't know. Although, I mean, if 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 Doom's gonna bag anybody, I guess it would be a goddess, but still, or at least he would try. He would think, but yeah, I, I, it just it seems like the the choices kind of push credibility a little bit, and whether it's, it's credible or not, the the. You know, the changeling hawk boy just looks ridiculous. He just looks flat ridiculous, man. Don't you why, think? Why, because he's green, does he have to wear a purple outfit? I mean, I, well, I, I guess his oh, dad's It's did. mandatory in the Marvel Universe. Yes. Well, it makes him a bad guy. Well, I know. That's green and purple. Green, yeah. green and purple, so he shouldn't. But his dad wore purple, so whatever. Whatever. I can take um, the. Uh, I can. Uh, I can see Storm and Wolverine ha- ha- having a kid. Actually, if you look, right. they have a second kid because at the party, uh, Storm is holding a small child that was listed as uh, their unknown son. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, there's like a lot of little nuggets hidden in the story that that you gotta right. flesh out as you're reading through. Was there ever a sequel to this? Uh, no. That's why I was looking. The only thing I saw beyond this was when they show up in. Avengers Forever 11 and 12, and I don't know beyond. That's why I was curious as to what, if we might see them right. you know, in a follow-up. But that was now, no. They just, you know, there's elements of this that seem familiar to me. I kept wondering if maybe they had popped up in Exiles or something like that, but I just could not mm-hmm. quite remember. Because that was one of the, the hallmarks of Exiles, is that where they would frequently go to, you know, things like this. I think, did the Exiles go to some of the What If Worlds? Um, I used I read. I want to say yes, but I'll be damned if I can think of an example off the top of my head. But I want to say that they did. But I know that toward the end of their run, they started to go to a lot of familiar alternate worlds, as opposed to like for most of its run, they went to you know to quote unquote made up alternate Mm -hmm. worlds. But eventually, toward the end of the run, they started to go to familiar alternate worlds. Like they went to Longshot's world. They went to uh, the 2099 universe. They went to the um, what do you call it? Not the alt. The the one in the right around the time that DC was doing Crisis New Universe. They went to the New Universe. Oh yeah, universe, and they they met up with um, that Terminator like dude. I can't I, see. I'm not, no, no death. No, I can't mm-hmm. remember what the hell his name was. But anyway, you know. So they they started you know crossing over to those different universes and everything. And I, I kind of wondered if Super maybe Pro? they. <laughs> no, I, just, I can't think of his name. He was he was that dude. I always thought he looked a lot like the Terminator, but I can't think of what his name was. But Deathlock. I, I want to say that maybe um, maybe Starbrand had been in it too, but I can't quite remember. But um, the main but yeah. one of the big story storylines that I I remember from Exiles was when they encountered uh, Proteus, the mutant that was more McTaggart's son. Right, right. And yeah. the way they ended up resolving, and he, 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 much like you mentioned earlier in that Venom storyline, he kept burning through bodies, which is what Proteus did. Right, and, yeah. And he ended up going into, uh, what, oh, I just lost the guy's name. N- not, not Mimic, but the other, the other guy that could change shape. No, not Changeling. But he, Actually, he, that's, he, that's, that's DC anyway. He could change shapes, but he could morph? take like morph, morph. Remember, he went into morph and he wouldn't burn out morph's body, but they ended up putting like a a a like a mind programmer. I can't remember what they put on his head 
but they tricked him into thinking he was the original morph and that he was actually right stuck yeah. in the morph body and he didn't realize who he was and I don't remember if he ever broke out of that because then I think that's when I just kind of stopped collecting at, at the end. So Justice was the dude I was trying to think of. Justice. And I oh, think okay. Justice gets possessed like you're talking about. I think that happened in that story where, where Proteus oh. possessed Justice, I think. But he possessed a number of people and burned them out. Yeah, I, yeah. I kind of remember that storyline. I think now. he actually yeah. possessed the Mimic character, didn't he, and burned him out too? Um, the it was one either... that was in love with uh, Blink? It was either Mimic or a Mimic from another reality, one of the two. Because there were characters that actually, you know, they, they killed them off. and Yeah, but then you found out they really didn't die. They went to a different citadel or something. Right, yeah. They were in, like, stasis. Damn, you know, it's not been that long ago that I did a read-through of that series. And I, I feel awful. I can't remember more details of it. But it was one of those things where, you know, I when you can read digitally i can read so much faster digitally so i blow through these you know these big reading projects but then i don't retain as much about it somehow but that's called age yeah it <laughs> is a lot of it but uh i i did i really i dug that series one of the things i really liked about it was when they uh they kept crossing up with um uh hyperion oh yeah and uh he he's just a badass i like that stuff uh, what, well, what did you think of the Hulk as Jeremiah Johnson coming down from the mountain? In this? Yeah, with the beard, the long hair. Yeah. It was, yeah. 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 <laughs> I just got a, I got a chuckle out of it. But with these whole, yeah, I've been trying to find a way home. I, I can't believe they never thought it took him that long to figure out a way home. No. So he's, he's just been off living like a mountain man by himself this whole time for 25 years? Yeah. He wanted wow. to get off his lawn. So he's like the 20 years of just sitting and thinking. Yeah, he's like the Wreck-It Ralph of this universe where they just, you know, he had to go live in the garbage while everybody else lived in the. Yeah, that's messed up. (laughs) And you know what? I never quite realized how much the Watcher sometimes looks like a big bobblehead, (laughs) especially in this book. It's a giant baby head. (laughs) He's got a big baby head. (laughs) And and I, I can't believe all the heroes just turned chicken shit. Oh, something bad's gonna happen. The Watcher's here. Oh, oh no. We 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 can't go back to Earth. We'll just stay here. I don't buy that. I don't buy that at all. And then they do go back and find that it's a Days of Future Past scenario, which is what uh, Torrent had been discussing with the Professor um, back in the the Garden of Statues. So they use this device. They go through with no thought as to how to get back. I mean, you know, it's just like ah. They don't tell anybody where they're going. Did they leave a note? <laughs> I mean, don't you think their parents are going to wonder where they went? You know, they're going to go, where's my hammer? Well, why didn't they super? Why didn't they do this earlier? Or is it just that, that just now they finally figured out how to do it or something? It took the Hulk 20 years of thinking. It says it took oh, me over 20 Lord. years of just sitting and thinking. But I did it. We're going home. Oh, come on. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's... <laughs> There's a couple I don't things. think this book, honestly, I don't think it's meant for deep thought. <laughs> I don't think it's meant to be broken down that way, to be honest. Right, yeah. Right. Because I, I, I think it, you know, it's. I, I really think it's meant just to be kind of dumb fun. And if but, you start if you start looking at it too closely, it starts to fall apart a little bit. But when you think that this was, this is the end of volume two, it would have been nice if it, I mean, it would have been nice if it had gone out on somewhat of a bigger bang. Right. I mean, the, the, the last issue of Volume One was um, what if Loki had found the Hammer of Thor, 
which it's been That's a while. That's the last issue of that series? A volume one, yeah. Unless wow. there was 48 issues, but I think that was it. Uh, hold on, I just wow. pulled it up. Let me see. So the artist on this is, is that is that a G? Is that Greg Scheigel? Or I can't, the lettering is really weird here. I don't think I've ever heard of this artist before. The art's not bad, though. I looked at the it's artist. Not my, not my art. I'll tell you that. He had done, because um, I was curious as to what he did. Hold on. Uh, Greg Scheigel. He yeah. did a couple I- issues. Well, I mean, unless, I'm I'm looking at Mike's Amazing World. He did, um, maybe it's not all up to date, because uh, there's a big gap in it. It's got 98, 99, 2000, and then it jumps to 2010. And he did... Uh, it's got four issues of Cable, um, three issues of What If. He did the issue of What If before this one. And uh, Generation X, he did an issue of, and he did uh, a couple issues of the X-Babies. Now, the inker, uh, which is Marzan, right. he's he's done a lot of stuff from what I read on yeah. uh, this Amazing World. Action Comics, Adventures of Superman, like a long run back in like 95, uh, you know, the stuff that Michael Bailey's doing over on his show. And, huh, it uh, says according to something I'm looking at here, it says that uh, Ferber or Fairbear, however you pronounce his name, the writer on this, this was his first gig for Marvel, was writing What If. Hmm. I've seen him his name attached to other projects. Um, trying yep, to remember what he I was. Read. And then he did, um, his next thing was uh, Secret Origins 80-Page Giant for DC. Huh. Number one in in ninety eight, and then he was on Generation X, Mutant X, New Warriors. Did a lot of Marvel. Yeah, I've seen his name around, but I'm, I'm trying to remember what it was I saw him associated with because I remember he made something of a splash a, a number of years Ooh. ago. He did Robotech for DC. Dynamo oh. Five, maybe because yeah, he worked on Dynamo Five as well. But yeah. I know I know the name, but I just can't remember what it was that was his big thing that he was associated with. Well, we want to grade this. You want me to go first as as the the book? Is it go the ahead. Book? Uh, the cover, since it's the 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 same artist uh, inside and on the cover. I mean, I guess I'll give the cover a grade. <sighs> Actually, you know, I think the uh, interior art is better than the cover. Even though it's, I believe it's the same artist, it's it's just, it doesn't look as, to me, it just doesn't, it looks, it's got a touch of that, a touch of the manga look, maybe. Right. It's and, got a lot more than a touch. It looks like they dipped it in manga. <laughs> Slathered in magna. Manga. Magma. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like it's not finished and there's like, it's, 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 it's blurry. You know what I mean? It's like it's got this glow on it that it doesn't look crisp, but I, I don't know. Uh, maybe if it was uh, done by a different artist, I would give it a higher grade. But I'm gonna I I, I I'm giving it a C minus for the cover. Um, the interior art is a little bit better, a little bit. Sometimes uh, some of the faces don't quite look right. It's like they don't have they're missing. Like a lot of people seem to be missing that top ridge of their nose. It just goes from the bottom of their nose straight to their forehead on a few right. of uh, of them, which is a little annoying. You know, there's it's not as much detail on on the faces as I would like. So I'm thinking the interior art. I also am going to give it. Uh, I'm going to give it a C. Now the story. If you don't dig too deep into the story, it's a nice little quick read. 
Um, it's not as quick as some of today's books. There is there is still a little bit of meat here. I'm going to give the story a B. So I guess it ravages out to about a C plus overall for the book. Did you just me. say it ravages out? I, I said average. Averages. It's <laughs> not what I heard. Cleat at your ears. <laughs> book is ravaging, man. All right. Well, well let's, let's hear your grade, Paul. All right. I'm not, you know what, honestly, because I've been kind of sitting back and listening a little bit more than participating. And uh, I thought you two were significantly higher on the book than I was uh, from what you were saying. But your grades aren't too far off from what I would, I would kind of agree with your grades for the most part. Uh, the story is kind of fun. Uh, and there's a lot of little Easter eggs in it, which for a what if book, I, I'm, I'm all for Easter eggs in a what if book. Um, I think the story is decent. The story is kind of fun. I'm, I'm going to say a B on the story. Uh, the cover and the interior art, I'll, I'll give them, grade them separately, but I'll say this is not my style of art. This is, this is like, uh, what if adventures where right. they're trying to make it, you know, kid friendly and, mm. you know, make it look like it's animated and failing miserably in doing so. Uh, I, I can't stand the manga cartoon art, art style. It's really just not my thing. The cover, I think it does look a little busy. It's hard to really f- to focus on any one thing. Uh, it's not terrible, but it's just you know, eh. I'm gonna just I'm gonna just give it a C, saying you know it, it's not good, it's not bad, it's just there. And uh, the interior art, I like the opening splash page with Thor's hammer laying on the ground. I think that looks kind of cool. And I really, really like the shot where uh, Doom's son is disintegrating him, theoretically. Mm-hmm. And that's really it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really happy with any of the other artwork. I, I think the, the anatomy looks bad. I, I, I don't like just the overall style of the, of the, the you know, the, the individual people. Uh, I don't think the storytelling is particularly compelling. It's just... There's nothing about it that really grabs me. I'm going to say C- minus on the interior artwork, and I'm just going to give the book a C overall. Cool. You got the next book. No, you, you didn't give your rating, Scott. Uh, no, <laughs> I didn't feel... I, I, didn't, I don't know if I should give a rating on it, because I didn't have time to fully reread it. Um, Neither did I, but I didn't shut my mouth. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Well, I mean, just based on you know flipping through it and what I remember of it and everything, I'd give it a C. I mean, I think it's pretty average. It you know as far as the story and everything, it tries to do interesting things and and it has some really good ideas and everything. But I'm not sure how well it all came off. I mean, Secret Wars was a big story, so trying to do this 25 years later sequel, uh, you know, in one issue, and as it turns out, the final issue of What If, I don't know if it really was enough room to to breathe for all these you know interesting ideas that they had. So I, you know, I give them, you know, kudos for trying, but I'm just not sure how successful it really came off. Um, I agree with you on the art style; uh, it's very you know, adventures style, you know, that, that, you know, four kids anime look, um, it's not horrible, but yeah, it's not really my style either. I mean, it would benefit if it looked a lot more like, say like Parabek or something like that, but it, it's a little, it's just far too manga in that look. Uh, I like the cover, uh, pretty well, especially the background images and everything, but the images of the, of the kids on the cover is kind of like, eh. So, 
I would probably, I'd honestly, I'd probably go C's all around because it, it's it's fairly 90s pedestrian, if you know what I mean. It's not great. It's not bad. It's just, you know, it's just kind of there. But um, again, you know, points to the ideas that it raises. I think I'm that's just, a pretty fair description. Yeah. Um, I, I pretty much agree down the line with everything you said about <laughs> it. All right. Uh, my book, I took a very obscure title uh, called Batman. <laughs> Never heard of him. I, I have issue number two forty four. No, that's that's a uh, Bataman. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good night, folks. <laughs> I have uh, Batman issue two forty four from September of nineteen seventy two, which has a twenty cent cover price, has a gorgeous Neil Adams cover with Ra's al Ghul standing over a shirtless Batman who has the rest of his costume on, uh, and yet Roz is standing there holding the entire costume somehow. So somehow he took stripped the costume off Batman and he had another pair of pants underneath the pants. This <laughs> is long, he, Johns. It gets cold. Anyway, this, this scene takes place in the desert, as evidenced by a row of camels being ridden from the scene towards the horizon. And there's a large sword that is either buried into Batman's chest or in the ground right next to him. You can't really tell for sure, but he looks pretty much deceased. Ahab, the he Arab, is an ex- king uh, of the finds. Hmm? Razagul rode off on his camel named Clyde. <laughs> Sorry if I've offended any of our Arab listeners. Please continue, Paul. <laughs> the story is titled The Demon Lives Again, with the credits being story by Denny O'Neill and art by Neil Adams and Dick Giordano. And do you really need any credits beyond that? think you're okay story opens on the swiss alps batman and three others are loading a captured talia onto a cable car and are oblivious to a quickly approaching raz al ghul we get a quick flashback to raz dead body being lowered into the lazarus pit where he rises and charges the group in a fit of madness and he was wearing a uh, in the as drawn he's wearing a pair of skin tight gravity defying pants which I think is just kind of an adjustment made by the colorist to <laughs> sate the Comics Code Authority. Uh, okay, for, as, as he reaches the group, there's an Asian man named Ling who is quickly put down by Raz. Batman quickly enters the fray, but despite hitting Raz with everything he has, he doesn't even phase him. Raz lifts Batman over his head and easily flings him into the cable car where he crumples to the ground. Roz quickly calms down at that point, and Batman is revived and feeling humiliated, while Ling is viewed as having multiple broken bones and internal bleeding. Batman asks where Roz and Talia went, and Ms. Post, the woman who's with them, who looks a lot like Jill St. John, points and they see a hovercraft getting away. Ms. Post gives chase on skis, and so does Batman right behind her. They catch up to the hovercraft where she throws her ski pole into the propeller, which fouls the propeller, but also it fits it right back at her where it pierces her shoulder. Shepang! Raz and Talia leave on foot while Batman sees to Ms. Post's injuries. He makes his way down the mountain, skiing down the mountain and carrying her in his arms. Okay, wait, 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 wait. I, that the shot where he kisses her on her forehead is great because we have the shot f- seen from her chest. <laughs> anyway, 
It looks like he's sucking her brain, though. It doesn't look like he's brain. kissing her. Yeah, it's but like, you've got a nice shot between the boobs. He's giving her forehead a hickey. He's sorry, sorry, Paul. You can't blame him, though. <laughs> She's now, a redhead. So he uh, mountainside around midnight and finds a bit of leather, which gives him a clue. With his comrades taken out, including Matches Malone, it will give Batman versus it, it will be Batman versus Ra's al Ghul as it should be. From the snowy Alps, we cut to the desert where Raz is obtaining supplies to rebuild his bases. As they take deliveries, Batman reveals himself as one of the robed men who are making the delivery. Rather than battle, they discuss Batman's detective skills and agree to duel. They battle with swords, apparently for hours, when Batman is stung by a scorpion and collapses to the ground. Before leaving, Talia gives Batman a final kiss. After they leave, though, Batman slowly makes his way to his feet and makes his way to Ra's tent, where he quickly punches Ra's in the face and knocks him out followed by a quick makeout session with Talia, and the story ends with Batman carrying the unconscious Roz off in a fireman's carry as Talia looks on. This is like a pretty iconic book, and it's part of a pretty iconic story, but it almost felt just kind of anticlimactic to me. I think it's the way it ends with him just walking over and punching him in the face at the end that just kind of like took me out of it a little bit. The artwork... From page one to the last page is absolutely beautiful. But the story, it's okay. What do you guys think of it? Yeah, it's hard for me to be objective about this because, I mean, this this was a huge thing in my childhood. I, I actually discovered this as one of those, um, uh, the big oversized reprint books. There's that one with a great wraparound cover. Of I think it's Batman holding Robin on the cover, but it reprints this entire uh, Ra's al Ghul storyline, which is not. It doesn't happen in in uh, you know in uh, in a linear fashion in the actual comics because the storyline starts and then it's broken up with other issues in there. So if you ever look it up, um, you know to the, to see the entire story, it doesn't happen um, in subsequent issues. And I was kind of surprised, you know, years later when I started trying to track these down as the individual issues to discover that, that it, it doesn't happen in, um, you know, in the numerical order that you would, that you would think that it does. It was broken up in the middle. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember what that reprint title uh, or what that reprint book was that I, uh, well, wasn't it, wasn't it done as a, uh, like a treasury size? Yeah. Treasury size. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure which one it was though, but I'll, I'll look that up as we, as we go along. But that's where I first read it as, or read it at, and you know that was as a kid, and it it just had a huge impact on me. Like wow, you know, and uh, so things like this and the uh, the Marshall Rogers, you know, Steve Englehart stuff, the um, the stuff with Jim Aparo, you know, that that really just kind of set the tone for me as a kid of what Batman was. See, and, so. and, and this story could kind of make the argument against what we were saying last time or in, in the last several ones. Like this is one where DC is kind of in the Silver Age in this book or the Bronze mm-hmm. Age rather. Right. But then they, you know, they, they'll, go, they'll just keep vacillating back and forth as time goes on. But at least in the, for this story and again, the Neil Adams, Danny O'Neill team, they were a Silver Age team, a Bronze Age team. I keep saying silver. Right. Despite, you know, DC's tendency to be mired in the silver age right but i yeah i i think you need to read the entire saga to get the 
the true feel for this. Like, yeah, you know, as you're saying, because I, th- I think reading this one issue, it's almost anticlimactic. It doesn't feel like enough. See, I haven't read all, all, all of this, uh, but I've read the, I think it's Aparo did, is it Son of the Demon? Yeah. It's a hardback. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of, a, I guess you could say, a continuation of this story, which, you know, or just another Roz Batman encounter. And, um, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind going back and reading this at as a whole story, which maybe you can send me the issue or uh, tell me where the issues are, and I can dig them up. If you, but these were probably expensive, though, if I wanted to buy yeah. the actual issues. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, these these issues yeah. these issues run for some good money with yeah. you know, the Neil Adams art, the Ra's Al Ghul connection. There's you know you combine those two and you're talking some bucks. But if you wanted to to read it, you know, the entire thing in one, uh, the one I was talking about, it's limited collector's edition C51. And it has a great wraparound cover of it of Batman. He's basically he's wailing at the body of Robin. And it looks like Robin's dead. And he's kind of doing the like, like he's all mad and everything. And you've got Roz, you know, looming large behind him and everything. It's really great. The stories that are reprinted in that, you've got um, Daughter of the Demon. That was from Batman 232, which – let me see which one that one – okay, that's the one where on the cover of that one, you've got Roz in the background. He's saying, when I decide Robin must die, he dies. And I think that's the one that starts where Robin's returning to his college dorm at night and he's mm-hmm. shot. Yeah, we, and, we covered that one on our Shameless Obligatory Batman episode. Ah, Okay. And then other stories in here, uh, It's uh, you've got Batman, uh, Bruce Wayne, rest in peace, Batman 242, Batman 243, and Batman 244. So yeah, from from those, it, the story goes in order. But it's weird because the story starts way back in 232, but then there's that gap of about a year before they followed up and, and finished the rest of the story, it's, which is just kind of weird. Hmm. Because if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure that 230, you know, the Daughter of the Demon story ends on a cliffhanger, I, I think. But that wouldn't be resolved until, like I say, almost a year later with, uh, with 242, uh, Bruce Wayne, rest in peace. And then what really gave me a kick, because I haven't looked in this, at this book in quite a while, what gave me a real thrill was at the beginning of the story, you know, right there on the very first page, you've got Batman and his friends, and they're at that... Um, that gondola or whatever you, what do you call those things? The, uh, the, the, yeah. The, the sky, sky bucket thing. Yeah. And the that, trolley car. Yeah. Cable that, car. Cable, cable car. car. That's it. And that, that factors in heavily to uh, a really great Batman story. That was actually, it was supposed to be, I think it was supposed to be Cobra, like number eight, I think, but then Cobra got canceled. And so they published the story in, it was like a DC special or something. But it had art by um, uh, Mike. I think it was Mike Netzer did the art on that. Really good stuff. Let's see if I can look that up and tell you what the help book I'm, I'm talking about here. But you guys go ahead with whatever. Yes, I, I, I know. I know. I have some familiarity with that Cobra book, and I, I'm trying to remember from when. I'm thinking we covered something on the show. I think we covered it. Yeah, I think it was covered on the show at one point, but I can't remember specifically. But I mean, you know, I mean, we've we've talked till we're blue in the face about Neil Adams' art, mm-hmm. and uh, surprisingly, though, with with Giordano inking him here, uh, it almost looks like it's recreating the pencils. Like the 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 inking lines are very 
true to the pencils. There, there doesn't seem to be any point where Giordano imposed his own will on it at all. Which, I mean, I guess, you know, with Neil Young, Neil Young, Neil Adams being the, <laughs> the, the, the master artist that he is, you, you wouldn't want to try and overpower it in any way. But you could tighten it up slightly. Thanks, Paul. You just set my whole mind. I just, I just did ha- half of a song going, "Hey, Roz, take a look at my life as a Well, anytime I can say something stupid that brings you to a song, <laughs> it makes me happy. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was called the Dead on Arrival Conspiracy. Um, by it was drawn by Mike Netzer. That was from DC. Uh, special series number one. I think I think we did touch on that on an episode. I think I might have brought that book. I'm I'm not sure. If I'm we pretty sure if we, we have bring it. We that. certainly discussed it. I yeah, I think remember. we discussed it. Yeah, but it's oh, I love that. I love that issue. Beautiful, beautiful art. But I always because you know he goes back in that story. He goes back to that same area, but it, for strangely, it's not a um, it's not a Rasa Ghoul story. It's a Cobra story. So. But yeah, th- this issue you picked was fantastic. I-, I I like this. This is, I mean, it's just a classic. Very Bond-like feel for Batman in this. I, I love seeing him on the skis. It reminded me, uh, wh- which Bond movie is it where where Roger Moore is skiing through? View to a Kill. Yeah. No. Well, also, also well for your eyes only. Uh, enough. Yeah, for your eyes only. Uh, your eyes only. And yeah. Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah, Spy. For your eyes only. They're skiing. Yeah, I'm pretty in that sure too. he's got a skiing scene in there. Oh, yeah, I guess he liked to ski. Yeah, there's one. Isn't there one of them where it happened at like the Winter Olympics or something like that? That's and he, your he goes down Oh, the, that's what. Yeah, no, the guy's yeah. doing the biathlon and uh, yeah. throws, throws his motorcycle at him. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's what the that skiing scene reminded me of. In page seven, where Batman's skiing down the mountain, it's hilarious. But I, I mean, I enjoyed this Batman more, where he wasn't infallible. Right, and he's not he's not super grim either. As a matter of fact, I mean, he doesn't really get grim until that last panel on page 14 where he storms back into the tent. He's freaking scary in that picture. He walks in all bare-chested and hairy and rah, he's all pissed off. <laughs> it's awesome, man. But other than that, he's not, you know, he's not the modern brooding, dark, you know, no smiling, no cracking a smile or a joke or anything Batman. He's much more the uh kind of gentler batman well he's not even kinder gentler he's just i don't know he's more of a of a 70s action hero kind of thing and yeah you know, no, that, I, I actually like this version of batman a hell of a lot better he's sean connery with a cow <laughs> i don't he's know if i'd that, go that far but yeah kind of the idea he, yeah. look on the cover he's got the hairy chest right well wasn't it uh wasn't it i think it was grant morrison who i hate to quote but wasn't it him that called him the what do you call him seventies love god or something like that? I, I can kind of I can kind of see that I guess. I hate to agree with Grant Morrison on anything, but I can kind of see what he's going for with that. If, if he was indeed the one that called him that, I think he was. Yeah, I, but I mean, this is just this is my Batman. This is the Batman I grew up with as a kid. I just prefer this version a hell of a lot better because, like you say, Paul, he's not infallible. He's not unbeatable. He's not you know. 20 steps ahead of the of the bad guy he might be a couple of steps ahead but you know he is capable of making mistakes and being defeated and being you know even getting his ass kicked a little bit i like that you know i also i also like the detective batman oh yeah but yeah. but you know i mean it's a little far-fetched he, he found the slight pieces of leather and he knew exactly where to find them in the desert because of it <laughs> but 
just the same. I, I, I like the detective. I, I don't think that's, you know, that's not quite up to the level of like a Sherlock Holmes type. Right. Writing. But it'll do. But I think what you might have been getting at, and, and I think we've touched on this before in other shows, is that in, in complete fairness, you look back at a lot of these, you know, classic stories that we loved as kids, especially something like this. And I can't help but wonder, reading it again as an adult and seeing something that seems so adult and so, you know, so much more than the comics that were coming out around the same time. You look at it now and it seems kind of juvenile and everything. I think a lot of what it was, a lot of what lends into our fond memories about it is the art. Because I can't help but think with a lot of these stories from this era of Batman that were by Neil Adams, that if they had been by someone else, like a, um, I don't know, like a Dick Dillon or an Irv Norvik or something, would they be as fondly remembered and and held in that same classic realm today? And I I can't help but think probably not, because a lot of the stories in in many ways are just as kind of pedestrian as you know, the other regular ones, maybe not this one. If you take the storyline as a whole, because taken as a whole, I do think that the Ra's al Ghul storyline is one of the classic Batman stories. Maybe not this final chapter so much. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the problem I'm having with it. I think just taking one chapter of it doesn't do it justice. No, no, I'll agree with that. You know, who was the, who did you say the girl reminded you of? Cause she reminds me of Lucille Ball. Who did she remind you of? <laughs> Yeah. Remind me of Jill St. John from uh, Diamonds Are Forever. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'm looking at that bottom panel on page five, and damn, does she look like Lucy right there? I think she looks sexy. Mickey. <laughs> but she is sexy, though. Yeah, and and then when did you ever say that about Lucy? Um, uh, hmm. never. In <laughs> Mame or whatever was movie. Oh, good lord! <laughs> You're wrong, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, you know what you, you're talking about, like the the stories, uh, the Neil Adams Denny O'Neill team. You know, they're famous for this, and they're famous for the uh, Green Arrow, Green Lantern ones, right? And I do think that this is a pretty solid storyline when you don't just take it as one chapter. I, I think this is right. really well done when you read it as a whole story, as opposed to one chapter. And I, I honestly think the same for the Green Arrow, Green Lantern one, but. The problem is it just gets, you know, those get a little to be a little too preachy when you reread them. They're a little heavy handed in some of their, uh, you know, how they're presented. And and sometimes that I found that to be a little disappointing in going over them, you know, years later. But, you know, still all really solid stuff. But then, you know, I, I give more of the credit to Neil Adams, again, for the artwork, as you're saying, than than for the writing. Because, you know, you, you have just as much quality with, you know, the Neil Adams-Roy Thomas team on the Avengers with the Kree Skrull War or with the X-Men with the Sentinel story. I mean, right. it's just, you know, it, it's, it, you know, to me, the, the, you know, the common factor is Neil Adams. It's not necessarily who the writer is. Right. And it's all, you know, it's all classic stuff. That's pretty much all I can say about it. Now, the... Uh, just, just for what it's worth, uh, the five-star superhero spectacular with the Cobra... Mm-hmm. You were not on that show. That was the show. That was episode number 147. And it was me and the less interesting duo of Ron Sadowski and Jeff Doak. See, I totally should have been on that show, though. You should have been. You were probably busy working like some fool. Yeah. Working yeah. for the mouse. 
it's nice, working nice for the you, man. It's nice you guys just go. Yeah, he doesn't even work for a man. He works for a mouse. <laughs> Are you a man or a mouse? I'm a mouse. Well, let me put it this way: squeak, squeak, <laughs> squeak, squeak. I tell you, uh, we wouldn't go on without you, except then we would be not having a show. <laughs> so I'm trying to see. Ooh, I was right. All right, so I was curious. So Batman's walking away, as you say, fireman carrying Ross away at the end of this story, right? Right. And I was wondering, what does he do with him? And then it got me to thinking that in my favorite Batman story, which is the the Bat murderer story over in, in Detective, there's the part where he comes and visits Roz in prison to basically ask him, you know, are you the one that set me up in this whole thing? And Batman in that story is disguised as a Gotham cop. He's disguised as a prison guard, essentially. Roz takes his gun. You know, he, he like reaches through the bar, grabs his gun out of Batman's holster and kills himself in the prison cell to frame Batman for his murder, too. He's already wanted for murder, but now he frames him a, a second time. And I was wondering, was Roz in prison because of this story? And sure enough, I'm looking at a, there's a website here that has a, a Roz chronology. And the next story, would that was several years. So this is Batman 244, September 1972. The story I'm thinking of was in Detective Comics 445, Break, uh, break In at the Big House. That was February, March 1975. So that is the next story in the Roz chronology. I just, uh, that, that's cool. I think that's neat. I love when stuff like that comes together. Yeah, that is. I think that's pretty cool. And he would not appear again. He appeared in, uh, in, uh, three issues later in detective Four Forty Eight, but then after that, he wouldn't appear again for a couple more years. So they didn't overuse him back then either, which was nice because hmm. when he popped up, he was typically a, a, a threat. I just, I just wanted to, kind of go through it quickly and point out some of the the artistic touches in here mm-hmm. uh and and you know starting with the uh caveat that it's neil adams every picture is great in it uh, right i just want to point out some specifics on, i don't know on i'm not fond page. of the butt shot of uh batman after he bounces off the uh right, well <laughs> never mind but we'll put that one down as your favorite <laughs> what uh, what the the on, on the splash page i i really like the way he has batman written in the snow Mm-hmm. At the top, he wrote uh, it himself. It should be yellow, though. <laughs> then, then you, you go to page two, and you already see that that he's starting to uh, to play with the uh, the framing of the of the uh, panels a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the middle panel, with with Raz Al Ghul running towards the listener, the listener, the reader, uh, he his his arm and his head actually extend into the panel above. Uh, whereas down at the bottom, Batman's ear kind of shifts over into two panels and somebody else's leg kind of crosses the panels as well. Yeah, so, Ling's leg comes down. Yeah, Neil, Neil Adams would never never be let himself be uh constrained to the panels on the page. Same thing on on uh what is it? 3 pages later, uh you know, when Roz is lifting Batman up, he he kind of bleeds into the panels on the side as well. Um I'm just looking, you know, he really she doesn't look like Lucille Ball at all to me because she looks really hot. Uh, the sequence with Batman skiing, just just the overall sequence is very, very cool. Really, really well drawn. Uh, same thing with the sequence with them in the deserts. And the shot of Roz's face kind of bottom lit with the yellow light on... It's the 16th page overall in the scan. Uh, just, you know, kind of very 
spooky looking. Yeah. Is that the one where he's got his hand up towards you? No, no hand. You just see you just see his face in the upper, the upper left de- corner. Detective, I respect you as I respect no other. Is that the one? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now the 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 entire sequence of the two of them sword fighting is is well done, even though it's kind of only a page and a half, but but compelling right until the scorpion stings Batman. Now uh, I don't th- I don't think you collapse so quick in reality from a scorpion bite, but you know whatever it, it plays in the story well. Well, now, according to Indiana Jones, the bigger the better. So, who uh, um, this might have been brought brought up before, but who oh. when 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 you read Roz's dialogue, do you read it with David Warner's voice? Oh yes, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, I'm just just to go the the second to last page. Talia looks hot. <laughs> Not like my, the chick that they had playing Talia in Dark Knight Rises. Uh, my <clears throat> my two favorite panels are actually on the same page. They're both on page fourteen. I love the panel of Batman rising out of the sand. He looks yeah. very much like Wolverine right there, but that's yeah. a great great panel. The sand and then the off of him. yeah, because it, it it also reminds me very strongly of the Sand Superman from uh, oh, yeah. Kryptonite Nevermore. Hmm. I was thinking and, like a mummy vibe. Yeah, that too. Yeah. But then that that panel of him storming into Roz's tent on the bottom of 14, just the I mean, he looks maniacal. But he then looks, also look at the look on Roz's face. Oh, he's scared shitless. Yeah. He goes, and, look at my hairy chest. Look at it. <laughs> look at it. <laughs> I love it. No, I, I think it's great. Shave. I, I, I love, you know, I would love to present this to, you know, the, the complete storyline to somebody that's that's growing up, you know, and their their Batman, their exposure to Batman is like the Nolan films, and really see what they would think of this, whether they would love it, whether they would hate it, because it is such a very different Batman than the one that's out there in the public eye these days. And of course, you know, I'm I'm completely prejudiced. I think it's a hell of a lot better presentation of Batman. But I would be really curious to think, you know, what what, what do young readers today, you know, what do they think of this, or what would they think of this if they've never checked it out? Which most of them probably have not. What what do you, what do you expect they would think? Depends on how open they are to reading comics. Yeah, that's true I know too. that's it's a little bit of a cop out answer. I know, but uh, yeah, I think I think anyone. Young, old, whatever. I think if they're open to reading comics, at a minimum, they'd look at this and be entranced by the artwork. Right. And and also, I think when presented with the full story, I, I think they'd, they'd enjoy it on both ends, writing and, and the artwork. Right. So, yeah, I, th- I, think they'd, I think they would like it. I don't think it necessarily would make somebody go against the Nolan films if they liked them. But I think it would kind of give them a greater appreciation for the characters. Mm. The only problem is, and, and not meaning to make a joke, but in their mind, if all they've, they've only been exposed to the Nolan films, they're going to, and when they read the dialogue, it's going to be Christian Bale and Liam Neeson instead <sighs> of David Warner and right. Our default Batman, like, you know, oh, Kevin Conroy. Yeah. Yeah. I was locking up. Yeah. I couldn't think, you know, mm. yeah, definitely. I, always, um, I, the, I, I, was, I mean, I always hear Kevin Conroy's voice when I read Batman. Yeah, yeah, uh, me too. Um, the night. <laughs> One other quick question here. Again, it's been years since I've read this storyline. So you've got 
All right, looking strictly at the uh, at the splash page here, you got Batman, and that's Talia in the in the jacket that he's got his arms on. You've got Lucille Ball. Who the hell is she in this? Is is that Bat? Is that Bruce Wayne's main squeeze at this point? No, I, I think she was like an Olympic skier. Okay. Somehow, so I, I don't. It's been a while since I read it too, but somehow he recruited these three to help him. I kind of. He, he was actually dressed as Matches Malone at one point. In right, this. right. I think I remember Dingaling because I think he was the martial arts guy that Batman's <laughs> fighting on the cover of one of the issues of this storyline. Right. I think you're right. Yeah. And who's the black dude? He's the black dude. <laughs> okay. Lucius Fox. I, I, I don't recall honestly. See, at first I thought it might be Lucius, but I don't no. think it is, and no, I don't sure think he's not. ever named. And then he just kind of, you know, just kind of pisses off about midway through the storyline, and you never even find out what happens to him. So I was a little bit mystified by that. I didn't know who he was supposed to be. Yeah, I, I don't recall his the reason he was with the expedition, but he. There was some explanation of it when, when, when you know he put the team together, right? Well, yeah, because this is a step out. I mean, um, you know, you think if this was a Marvel comic, we would have had a complete Stanley recap of who everybody you was know, and what was going on. That's a this, good point. I hadn't even thought of Bill. You're absolutely right. There is no recap, which is this something... is just another chapter in a story, and it yeah, just goes right in. That's yeah, that's uh, rather noteworthy at a time like this when they felt the need to recap. Of course, that was more of a Marvel Comics trope. You're right. But yeah, for a continuing story. Well, it was more of a Marvel trope to have a continuing story. DC didn't have that many. Right. But, you know, at a time when this was still considered to be largely a a children's medium and not a particularly bright children's medium, if you know what I mean, you know, not written for like smart kids. It's pretty funny that, (laughs) you know, this. Well, no, I mean, that's their own admission. A lot of times they didn't consider the kids that were reading comics to be the bright kids, you know? They were like Dor, (laughs) D-H-O-R. You know, so, yeah, this this actually is uh, is quite innovative, you know, to be telling a much more mature story that they didn't bother to give you any recaps on if you had missed previous chapters. That is actually very interesting. I I hadn't caught that. Speaking of mature, I'm pretty sure for the first five pages that Neil Adams drew Roz as naked. He, yeah, that's the thing is the the choice of what he's wearing and then the coloring of what he's wearing does in several panels give you the appearance uh, on a quick glance that he is bare ass naked. Yeah, well, he's and he's coming out of the Lazarus pit. Yeah, yeah. he would be naked coming out of there. Ew, he's not going to take dime to don his little skin tight under armor wear. Yeah, what the hell are those things he's wearing? <laughs> He stole uh, Dr. Drew half of Dr. Druid's onesie. No, uh, this is this is this is far too form fitting for Dr. Druid to wear. <laughs> that's true. I got to have so. a flap in the back, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, uh, what we got for grades on this one? Oh, come on. Do we need to grade this? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to grade it now. I'm going to give the cover an A+. I'm going to give the interior art an A+, and I'm going to give the story an A. <laughs> I'm done. Hey, I'm done. Scott? Yeah, no, I you know, I, I don't think I can argue with you. I'm looking at the cover trying to think if there's any reason why I wouldn't give this an A plus, and I really can't think of anything other than the fact that uh you shame me, dude, and the fact that I never stopped to think about that. Yeah, Batman is still wearing the the shorts and the tights at the bottom, yet Roz is clearly standing right there holding a Batman costume. Yeah, that makes no sense at all. 
but I'm going to totally forgive that. I think this is a great cover, and I, I love the uh, six uh, wise men riding off into the sunset too. I just think that's great. With machine guns. With machine guns, yeah. Well, you know, frankincense, myrrh, and ammunition. So there you go. I like that Batman's ear is bent on the side of his head that's in the sand. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's yeah. just a nice touch that, you know, it is not Attention perfect. To yeah, it, it would bend, or you would you would think that it should anyway. But not um, The interior art, I mean, this is not only Neil Adams. It's Neil Adams by Dick Giordano. And, I mean, I, I can't think of very many finer art teams than that. I mean, there's really only a small handful that I would put in the same league as these two guys as a team, you know, like Byrne and Austin, um, and, uh, you know, just, just a handful of Frank others. Robbins and Vinnie Coletta. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, the art's going to get a straight up a plus on this. I can't even see any pages or panels in this where I can even find something to go. Yeah, that doesn't look right. Or I don't like that. I, not a single one. I, I, I love everything in the, it just looks really solid. And the story, see, the story, trying to judge it just simply on one issue is just not fair. I do think I do think this is one of the weaker entries in the overall storyline, but the overall storyline is a friggin' classic. I mean, it's it's just a great story, so it's really hard to say. I, I think your I think your gradings on this were perfect. I think A plus, A plus, and just an overall A for the story. It's not quite as good as the other chapters, but come on. You know, it's it's still awesome all around. So yeah, and I, you know, I will degree, disagree with you slightly. I actually like the end of the story. Um, I like the fact that it ends very simply is that Roz has driven Batman to the point where he's ready to kill him. I, my impression of Batman when he walks into that tent is that he wants to kill him, and, the, and he, he doesn't. He knocks the bejesus out of him. But once he's down and Batman even says, he says he didn't move, didn't even try to resist. I think he kind of comes to his senses and realizes, you know, I I can't kill a defenseless. You know, I can't kill him while he's unconscious, essentially. So, you know, he he makes out with Ty and then he takes his man to jail. You know, he's got his man. He takes him off to jail kind of thing. He makes Damien and then he goes off to jail. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) But we uh, we have time to do another book. Oh, you guys are going to do this to me again. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks section of www.forumforgeeks.com. Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.libsen.com and is a registered trademark of DiManzocor of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Back to the Bins is a proud member of both the League of Comic Book Podcasts, which you may find at comicbooknoise.com slash league, and also the Comics Podcast Network, which you may find at comicspodcasts.com. Take a moment to stop by their respective sites and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Yes, you do have a good la-la. That didn't sound right. <laughs>